Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. In this episode, I'm interviewing Priscilla Martinez. Priscilla is a life coach with a master's in counseling who helps clients love themselves more to make the changes they want to see in their lives. Welcome, Priscilla. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, before we get into the topic, which I love all things like self-awareness, emotional intelligence, neuroscience-y kind of stuff, so I'm excited. Um, before we get into the topic, can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Yeah. So I am an educator. I've been an educator for many years. Um, I invested 18 years into that career and I work for New York City. And it was great. I loved working with students. It was nice to be able to get the experience of like seeing them through high school and off to college and prom and all of those highlights in between. And um, I've been a counselor for over 12 years at this point. And in 2019, I decided to leave the Department of Ed to pursue just counseling full time and start my own practice and my own business. And kind of just be able to live life on my terms and, and, you know, do it remotely so that I don't have a specific place to report every day. Um, just because I wanted to invest in much, as much in my personal life as I had in my professional life. So that was really my goal with, you know, leaving New York and, and starting something new. And it's been terrifying and great and all messy and a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it took a lot of, a lot of energy to work up to doing that and, and to put a plan in place to, to say, okay, you know what? I invested a lot of time in this one thing, but that that's not all there is to life. Right. I could do something else. And I felt, I found myself kind of like at a crossroads, you know, to try to figure out, am I going to keep going in this direction or is it time to do something new? And I've, pulled the trigger and decided to do something new. There you go. And I like to think <laughs> of it as like a stepping stone to get to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I, I actually didn't want to do anything that um, required me to go back to school or anything like that. I, yeah. I love working with people. I love helping guide, guide them through like some of the toughest times that they're facing. To me, it feels great when there's a there's growth or an aha moment that actually makes solid and like tangible change in someone's life. That means a lot. To me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love it too. Yeah. Now, so our topic is getting to know yourself and you specialize in that. And so yes. I'm wondering, so I know some people like the, the first question they'll have is, wait, I've lived with myself my entire life. Why do I need to get to know myself? And I love, um, Tasha Yurik's work in, um, on uh, uh, her book Insights, where it's like, most of us think we're self-aware, but really only 10% of us are really are. So first yeah. of all, can you talk about why do we need to get to know ourselves? You know, I, I think about it the same way that I think about like getting out of debt, right? Like you're, you're never going to be able to get out of debt until you face all of the bills that you have and all of the things that you owe. And only then can you really create a plan that targets the things you need to work on? And so it's the same kind of thing. I think that a lot of our programming is kind of imprinted very early on. And then we struggle 
to recognize it because it's just, it's our nature. You know, it's just what we do. Rarely do we stop to, to think about like, okay, why did I think that? Why was that my impulse? Why did I try that? Why did I feel that? Why did, you know, and, and by the time that you try to catch yourself, you're already facing the consequences, you know, and unless you're really, really, um, self-aware and giving yourself the time to, to reflect, you're likely going to blame other things going on around you. Right. And, and a lot of people do that and it doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them unaware. And of course, the, whatever's going on is going to keep repeating because that's the setup that you have, you know, that's the programming that you have. And so I help people recognize their patterns and then implement the changes necessary to to have the outcomes they want to see, you know, I, and it takes a lot of work and it's, it's painful sometimes to be able to admit to yourself, this happened to me, or I did this, right. That acknowledgement of like, I created this, I did this. And it's really the only way you're going to change anything. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we get to know ourselves, you know, get to know these patterns that we get stuck in? Yeah. Um, well, first, I think usually there's some sort of triggering event, right? So there's either um, some sort of crisis at home or a bad breakup, or maybe, you know, you lost a career that you you invested a lot of time in or, or whatever it is. It could be anything. And once that event happens, I think that that's what makes people say like, okay, I can't keep doing this. You know, like something about what I'm doing isn't working. The problem is that usually the first thought is, oh, something must be wrong with me, right? Like something is wrong with me. And it's not about something fundamentally being wrong with you, but it's about recognizing who you are and learning how to manage yourself accordingly. You know, like anyone with abandonment issues, for example, may always have abandonment issues, but that doesn't mean that they're going to react impulsively or have the same triggers or just fly off the handle anytime that, you know, they think someone's pulling away. There's, there are ways to manage that. And I think when people kind of get lost in it is they think it's just going to go away. They're never going to feel that way again. That's not true. You're going to feel that pull of, of pain when, you know, when you feel someone's going cold on you. But that doesn't mean that you have to then text them incessantly or, you know, bury yourself in a pint of ice cream thinking where it went, like, where did it go wrong? You know, like there are ways to kind of manage that to find a healthy balance. So that's what I help clients do. Nice. So how do we maybe before we get to that pain point, right? So oftentimes we make changes because like you said, uh, we, we, feel some pain and you know we want to avoid pain and and what is it uh go towards pleasure and run away from pain whatever the neuroscience stuff is <laughs> yeah but so how do we before it gets to that pain point how do we um maybe explore ourselves and get to know ourselves a little bit better yeah so i think that when you when you look for the patterns in either your relationships and and here's the thing, when, when we're talking about patterns, it's not just the type of partner you select, but also like why you select them, you know, what's common about your selection process. 
right? What's common among the people that you don't go out with that have shown interest, right? Like what's going on there? And if you connect those dots, if you figure out what it is that you're attracted to, why you're attracted to it, what the root of that is. For example, if you're attracted to someone who's emotionally unavailable, then when did you first feel that kind of push and pull, that hot and cold? When did that start? Did that start in childhood when, you know, maybe your parents doted on you in front of their friends, but then when no one was around, you were just like left to your own devices in your room or, or something along those lines. Like, when did that start for you? And when you connect those dots, you, you get to know yourself on a deeper level. The key is not judging that, right? Not judging that information as you're piecing it together. This is more of like, it's almost, you got to think about it as like kind of reading your operating manual, right? Like you're just, you're just trying to see what exists, right? Maybe I am, you have to say to yourself, maybe I'm clingy. Like maybe I do need a lot of reassurance. Why do I need so much reassurance? When, when did I start feeling that need? And when you trace it back and you realize, okay, maybe that happened to me because, you know, my best friend suddenly, you know, during lunch in second grade, wasn't my best friend anymore and left me for some other little girl. And for some kids, that is a traumatic experience, right? Like that is, is. that's like a moment where even if they don't remember that, there's an emotional thing that happens there that stays with them, right? And so what happens the next time you make a friend, maybe you're more eager to please. And so it kind of keeps going along those lines. Um, more often than not, it happens within the family, but absolutely it can happen at school. It can happen at any point where someone just hurts your feelings enough where you don't really feel safe, right? You thought you had a friend, suddenly you don't. And now you develop, that's like the, the origin story of this pattern of like, people pleasing and feeling like you have to earn love and feeling like you're not good enough and feeling... And I think that when people say it, oh, this friend of mine just kind of left me hanging. It sounds trivial, but it's not. It's not. And I think that that's where the judgment, you have to remove the judgment. Don't tell yourself it sounds trivial if it's something that was impactful to your life. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, and it, great advice. And it's interesting how it just like seemingly the the little, little quote unquote littlest things can affect how we interact with others for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely. find that stuff fascinating. Now, what about, um, like say in the workplace or even at home and in personal relationships? And I'm thinking of, um, have you heard of the Johari window? Okay. It was, it was invented by Joe and Harry. I can't remember their last names in 1955. And I actually use it for 360 feedback assessments. And, and it's a matrix of like there's one box that it's stuff that you know about yourself that others know about you. So that's your open self, right? And then there's stuff that you know about yourself that um, others don't know about you. So that's your hidden self. And then there's two other quadrants. There's stuff that other people know about you that you don't know about yourself, blind spots. And then there's stuff that you don't know about yourself that others don't know about you either. So it could be like an untapped talent or it doesn't necessarily have to be positive. It could be negative too. But so going to the blind spot quadrant, um, first it, talking about getting to know yourself. 
Any suggestions for maybe how to uncover blind spots that you don't know that you're having this impact or behavior on others? I think you have to pay attention to what you've heard most often. So for example, if in your relationships, um, let's say in arguments, right? There, you may have had multiple arguments with more than one person where they've said, you're controlling. You always have to be in control. Why does it have to be your way? Right? That those are all indicative yeah. of, of needing control, right? And yeah. now you've had three different people kind of say it to you in three different ways. At some point, you have to see the pattern there in yourself too, yeah. right? Like, There's a clue. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe I do need control. And then you have to ask, yeah. well, let's think about the times when I'm not in control that I've like, I've really been triggered by things or yeah. it's led to an argument, right? Like what led to those arguments that that was the point that they made? And when you think about it, it objectively, now that you're not emotional and in that emotional space, maybe you have to be honest that, you know what, maybe I was seeking to be in control because I felt unsafe. Okay, why did I feel unsafe? And then you kind of go from there. You, it's It's about asking yourself like the tough questions, right? Like, yeah. Don't say that, oh, they did something wrong. Make it about you. Okay. They did something. What did it make you feel? Did you feel unsafe? Did you feel attacked? What was it that you felt? And then you have to dig into why. And I think that that's how you start to see the blind spots a little bit. Like just looking again, it's to me, it's all about patterns. Like we, we really do have the majority of the answers that we need. We just rarely pay attention or sit in our feelings long enough to really connect the dots and be reflective on that. Um, and I think that we look for distractions, you know, we're, we're distracted with work, we're distracted with people, we're distracted with devices. And how often are we just sitting, like really thinking about what just happened, you know, what, what you felt, what it, what it feels like in your body. You know, like, do you feel it in your throat? Do you feel it in your chest? Is it in your, the pit of your stomach? Like, what is the sensation? And then being able to even communicate that to someone. You know, when you have to describe your, the emotional impact of an argument, right, on your body, can you do that? Uh, most people cannot. I yeah. struggle <laughs> deeply with being able to tell someone like, this is exactly what I feel and why I feel it and how it feels inside of me. It's a very vulnerable thing. And I think, you know, one of the things that I believe is that as long as you don't own your story, your story is going to own you. And Ooh, yeah. right. And, and so it's, how do you accept this is, this is who I am. This is the yeah. good, the bad, the ugly. This is who I am holistically. And now I need to know, you know what? I'm really triggered when someone doesn't text me for 10 hours. That's something that you need to learn how to manage, right? Like, me too. To no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, but it's, it's something you need to learn how to manage. It's like, okay, fine. That's your trigger. But yeah. You can't expect someone to hop to it because you need a text, right? Yeah. Yes, there's a compromise to be made there. But a lot of that is also like, how do you manage your emotions around that need, you know, that need for connection? Yeah. 
So it sounds like uh, being very, um, well, not being very, but learning to be comfortably uncomfortable and being very open and honest with yourself. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's kind of about radical acceptance of yourself. You know, like you, again, we are our worst critics. And so until you just say, you know what, I, I'm a crier. I cry. I'm, I'm, I, I'm easily triggered and I cry and that's fine. I don't need to pretend I'm this tough person if I'm not, you know, and and it's okay, right? And allow, see, that's the thing. When you feel that there are parts of you that you're actively hiding, not unaware, but like actively hiding, you, you don't feel accepted. And no matter how much love that person shows you, it feels like it can unravel at, a, at any moment because they don't really know you. And if they found these things out, you could always risk losing them. Um, or risk damaging the relationship. And how could you possibly relax or feel fully loved when you have, when you have these parts of you that you're unwilling to admit to yourself? And if you don't accept them, why should anyone else? Mm, Yeah. I love that term radical acceptance. And it sounds like, dare I say, you know, love yourself. Absolutely. It is is definitely about love. And it's also about being being your own best friend you know when you betray yourself with people pleasing and with putting your needs aside and and dismissing yourself over and over you know you're you're telling your brain that you are not trustworthy right so when you set a goal when you set a goal part of you already knows i'm not gonna reach that like yeah, sure. I'm going to yeah. eat salad for a week. No, I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to eat salad for a week. Like it's not happening. And so you kind of start training yourself to know that your word doesn't count. Right. And if your word doesn't count and you can't be trusted, that's where you, you don't really love yourself. You know, that's where you judge yourself. You, you, um, don't trust yourself and you can't forgive yourself. If you don't trust yourself, there's no way to forgive yourself for any of your past mistakes. If you think about, I'm going to just use a relationship because I think it's, it's probably the best example. When you think about relationships, someone who's been unfaithful, right? Well, there's nothing that's going to happen to continue that relationship until the trust is rebuilt, right? You're not going to fully achieve forgiveness until the trust is rebuilt. The same thing is with yourself, right? You're not going to fully forgive yourself until you can trust yourself and be confident to know that the mistakes that you made, the things that hurt you, the decisions you made that were, you know, I don't know, left you on the bathroom floor crying, that you're not going to make those decisions again. And what that means is that you have to face all of it. You have to be able to look at all of it and say, yeah, I did that. That wasn't right for me. And here are the changes I'm making and I'm going to stick with it. And that's how you rebuild the trust with yourself. Yeah. I love that. So first, I love that you use the term uh, betray yourself because a lot of times people don't think of lack of self-care or people pleasing as betraying oneself. And I think that really puts it up front and center on exactly what you're doing to yourself. And then also sounds like, which I, I love, um, we should be really focused on a relationship with ourselves first. 
before we can be whole enough to engage in other healthy relationships. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? We we're going to live with ourselves for the rest of our lives. The people around us may come and go and they may come and go because they want to or not, you know, like we're not in control of what happens with anyone else. And, um, again, if you're not your own best friend, if you don't enjoy your company, how could you possibly set boundaries with people? How could you, you know, know what your deal breakers are, you know, and not just go along with what someone else wants or what someone else needs. How could you ever communicate that, you know, you're worthy of whatever it is that you want if you don't believe it? There's no conviction behind your words if you don't believe them for yourself. And so instead of pretending to be healthy and well-adjusted, you know, the goal is to actually be healthy and well-adjusted and like really love yourself. (laughs) It's it's the actual goal. It's not, it's not just to, (laughs) to kind of do it enough to be in a relationship because that relationship is going to fall apart if you're not okay. And you don't have to be completely okay before you get into it either. You know, like you can, you can try things and, you know, do something out of your comfort zone as you're learning. And, and that's fine. It's actually a great way to test the things that, you know, to apply the things that you've learned. Yeah, I love that. So we're constantly working on ourselves uh, and our relationships give us that opportunity to do that. Yes. And we, we, we will never have fully arrived. We're always striving towards is what I see. Because as we grow, we continue to evolve. And I just, I, I love the constant growth. Yes. Thoughts and on you, no, it's important because first of all, if you're, if you're not growing, if you're stagnant and, you know, you're just maintaining the status quo, then you're not really pushing yourself and ultimately you're not going to be happy if you don't feel like you have the room to try something new and grow. You're going to get bored. You are, you're going to get bored. Um, your taste changes as you age, you know, what you want to do changes, what you want to try changes, what, and you have to be, you know, give yourself enough grace to change your mind about the things that you've decided on. It's, it, there's nothing set in stone. And I think that's the beauty of it, right? Like it, nothing is mean, like nothing is linear either, right? Like you can be in one phase and then a few months from now you feel like, oh man, I just, I feel all this, all this anger, all this stuff. And that's what you felt a year ago, right? And it's like, well, I'm just right back there. And it's, it's always, it's about tuning in, right? And you adjust as necessary And I think that that resilience, that emotional intelligence and that resilience is what creates a happy life because you're never going to be able to be in control of like what happens to you. Yeah. But you can only be in control in how you respond. That's it. (laughs) Just in what you did. That's it. And how you respond to the decisions you make. Um, But you know, if the decisions you're making are based on seven-year-old you who was rejected by someone then you know those are not mature decisions those are a seven-year-old essentially making decisions and that's why it's important to like do that work i love it and i think we could probably talk on this for a lot longer but unfortunately or fortunately let's hear about your um products and services if people want to learn more Yeah. So I am a life coach and I run 
um, regroup.org. And I help clients kind of tune into where the trauma is, where the patterns are, and change their habits accordingly to the changes that they want to see in their lives. And so if you want to spend more time with me, you can find me at regroup, regroup with two O's, dot org. And it's regroup on Instagram as well as TikTok. Nice. Okay. Your final piece of advice for our listeners. My final piece of advice is do not put this off. You know, if you feel like something keeps happening to you, there's something there, you know, it's not just a feeling. If it's something that keeps coming up for you, it can change. You can change the outcome. You are not broken. It's not a fundamentally broken thing about you. It is something about your selection that can, that can be changed. You know, it's something about your decision-making that can be changed and you can be better at any point at any time. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Priscilla. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to learn more about Priscilla, visit her website at regroup.org. Interested in expanding your employee development program? Visit ChristinaEans.com to look at the many workshops Christina has available for you.